other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, a couple hours ago, really right before I left for work last night, I just finished watching a phenomenal new documentary. I started telling you about this yesterday. The film is called The Trials of Alan Dershowitz. If you didn't hear my primer on this yesterday, here's the trailer to this incredibly comprehensive, informative, and quite frankly, entertaining new documentary. I think of myself as an attorney for the damned. Pound for pound, the best lawyer I know. One of the top defense attorneys in the country. A ferocious litigator and advocate. The most famous lawyer of his generation. He delights in picking the one that everyone hates. He would have represented Hitler. Some people call him a showboat, but when the chips are down, a lot of people call him. Professor Dershowitz, how good of you to come. I thrive on taking cases where people say these are the worst people in the world. It's impossible to win. Not guilty. I wanted to be the best defense lawyer in the world. By 28, I was the youngest full professor in the history of Harvard Law School. There was a set of initials on his door. It stood for don't with Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz realized his extraordinary talent would be invaluable for some very rich defendants. I was just fighting for my life. And there are a lot of very, very rich people who do some horrible things. O.J. Simpson's ex-wife, Nicole, savagely killed in a knife attack. My job as a lawyer is not to see that justice is done. We, the jury, find the defendant not guilty of the crime of murder. You've got blood on your hands, Alan Dershowitz. Mike Tyson charged today with rape. My role is to defend the most unpopular and even the most guilty of defendants. Alan Dershowitz, these guys, all of them, they say there's no crime. He didn't need Donald Trump to be famous. And unfortunately, Donald Trump has made him infamous. The lawyer? for Donald Trump? Alan, this is not who you used to be. People write me all the time saying, I used to admire you, now I despise you. And I always have the same response. You were wrong to admire me. You didn't know who I was. As you can hear, In that documentary, this film is not just a look at one man. It's also a look at American history for the better part of the last 75 to 80 years. It's also an incredible perspective on current events, on being consistent, on Donald Trump, even to some extent on the Middle East and anti-Semitism, all issues that are more relevant than ever. And I really can't recommend the film enough. It's called The Trials of Alan Dershowitz. I'm going to tell you how you could see it in a minute. But I'm thrilled to welcome the director of this film, a veteran documentary filmmaker and veteran he is uh, at least 23 documentaries to his credit, probably more by the time this show <laughs> is off the air tonight. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome John Curtin. John, congratulations on the new film. Thanks for coming on with me. Well, thanks so much for having me, Frank. 
So, uh, John, why did you pick Alan Dershowitz? Clearly, you've done a lot of biographical documentaries before, and you've done a lot of documentaries involving other subjects before. Of all the things that you could choose to spend your substantial talent and rather limited time on, why Dershowitz? Well, I seem to be attracted to people that uh, other people dislike. I've done several documentaries about controversial people. I find them a bit more interesting. I actually met Alan 10 years ago in 2013 and did a short profile about six minutes on him for another film. And I kind of got to know the man and uh, was just a bowled away by how articulate he is. What a great talker he is. He's, you know, America's greatest talking head. And, you know, he's written 50 books. He's litigated 250 cases. He's taught uh, full-time at Harvard for 50 years. I mean, it just seemed like such an incredible life. And as a Canadian, I wondered why no one in America had done it. You know, it's such a good point. And that's, again, he's like you. That's 50 books as of this morning. Who knows, by the time uh, the, the, we get to the end of this show, he might have a 51st. We had his publisher, uh, Tony Lyons from Skyhorse, in here uh, last hour. And uh, I trust me, I know that uh, Tony is uh, is fast thinking of uh, his next book that he can get Alan to write. Now, I, I uh, know Alan Dershowitz a bit. I've interviewed him on the radio uh, many times. And I have hung out with him a bit. I like him very very much. And I loved your film. My question for you is, I'm trying to take myself and my fondness for Alan Dershowitz out of it, because even when I end up disagreeing with Alan Dershowitz, I'm always so bowled over by his intellect, by his abilities to Mm -hmm. dissect an argument, by his ability to think critically and analyze any number of issues far beyond legal issues. But when if someone doesn't like Alan Dershowitz and as you chronicle in the film, there are a number of people that don't. Will they still enjoy your film? Will they still get something out of it? Or do you think this is only a film for Dershowitz fans? I hope uh, people who are somewhat skeptical of what Alan or what they perceive Alan has become will watch the film and, and maybe see him in a better light. I think uh, a lot of people, especially people who are younger than, let's say, 40, have no idea what he did in his early career. And people think that he's just uh, uh, represented celebrities, that there's much more to the man than, you know, Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein, which are the two major people that he's associated with at the moment. That's really just, you know, the last few years of uh, a career that spanned almost 60. So, yes, I I really, if you hate someone, you, you it doesn't matter what you say, uh, people will continue to... Uh, dislike you and those who are incredibly afraid of Donald Trump just won't like Alan because of his defense at the first impeachment trial. But I think if you come with it an open mind, you'd be surprised how much good this guy has done. He, and he's not just been a celebrity lawyer. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. I, um, I've been involved in a couple of documentaries myself, and I know how much 
time goes into getting the gems that come out on the screen. I'm curious, how long did you follow Alan for? Over how many months or years did this uh, did this take place, this documentary? And all told, how much time would you say you spent with Alan during the production of this documentary? Well, as I say, I, I, I first met Alan in 2013, so I did several shoots with him back then, that mm. some of which is incorporated in the film. But the brunt of the film still took five, a staggering five years to shoot. It was, uh, you know, there were about, probably about 20 shoots or 15 with Alan, maybe another 10 uh, just uh, picking up B-roll cutaways and stuff at a later date, drone shots. And then I spent a absolutely extraordinary 2,000 hours editing the thing because uh, it's quite a complex life. There was a lot of material, and um, uh, it just took that much time. Well, it, it really it shows because uh, it's thorough, and I don't know that you can ever fully capture the totality of a man's work sure. and mission in uh, only two hours. But uh, if it, you came, I think, as close as it is to doing that. And that's one of the things that I was interested in with this uh, with this film is I have followed a lot of Alan's cases over the years, and I've talked mm-hmm. to Alan about a lot of his cases over the years. And I find it's always a challenge when you watch a documentary about a subject that you're familiar with to still get something new out. Out of it. I think you really, without giving away too much, you really rose to that occasion. Tell me how much of that was a challenge for you. Obviously, I think every person alive in North America had an opinion about the Trump impeachment. Anybody that was alive 30 years ago had an opinion and thought they knew about the OJ case. How did you find a way to teach people new things about subjects that they already thought they might have been well informed about? Well, I think it's a tribute to Alan himself. He he doesn't like repeating himself. Uh, he's got a great memory, and he's got a specific angle on a lot of these cases. You know, the, his his angle on OJ is perhaps different from other people's, and he hasn't uh, – a lot of these cases, uh, at least the earlier ones, like the Von Bulow case, aren't that well known to the audience today. So I think – um, it was really Alan who was the secret weapon. He's such a thoughtful person and likes to tell you something new and is constantly digging into his massive <laughs> brain storage, his gigabytes of storage and pulling out uh, the craziest stories that are almost unbelievable if you don't know the guy and who seemed to be a kind of sailing and has been mm-hmm. everywhere all the time for the last half century. You chronicle a lot of the cases and talk with Alan in the film about a lot of the cases that he's been involved in going back uh, literally uh, 50 years. Is Mm -hmm. Alan Dershowitz the same guy now in 2023 that he was when he was defending the right of Nazis to march in Skokie? Or has anything changed? Has the type of cases that he takes changed? Has uh, his values at all changed? Is he the same guy as he was 50 or 60 years ago, in your view? I think he is. But uh, a lot of people do think he's changed. They think he's become much more conservative and slightly right wing in in his, you know, older years. But uh, that's just the appearance of things. I, I don't think he was 
terribly left of liberal when he was young, and he's not, he's still a centrist, basically a centrist Democrat now. It's just that the cases mm. that he's um, been associated with now are very much so associated with what, for the lack of a better word, the right wing. And particularly with Donald Trump, I, uh, he's not a Trumpist. He's, he never voted for Trump, but people think, um, you know, he's gone over to the dark side and sold his principles out. I don't think any of that is true. I think he is more or less the man he was 50 years ago. One of the things that's repeated, and if people are just tuning we're talking with uh, John Curtin, a, a veteran documentary filmmaker. His latest film is The Trials of Alan Dershowitz, which focuses on probably the most famous law professor, the most famous living law professor in America, I would say. One of the things that's repeated by several of the people that you chronicle in the documentary is that uh, Dershowitz would defend Hitler. I think he may even say that himself mm-hmm. at some point in the mm-hmm. film. I don't know know of a, a person that's a more dogged opponent of anti-Semitism than Alan Dershowitz is. Do you think mm-hmm. that's true? Do you think that he would defend Adolf Hitler? Well, he he told it to actually another law professor who relates that in, in the film. I didn't personally ask him, but I think he, he likes to take very, very challenging cases, and uh, uh, often the cases of people he strongly dislikes or hates. I think he likes to put his own principles to the test, and he he seeks extremes. I know that every time I see him on TV, he always turns to whoever's going to interview him and really wants them to ask him t- tough questions. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like um, easy questions. He He's actually, I think strongly attracted to difficulty. So um, these difficult cases he likes to take, and I think he excels when he kind of puts himself under that kind of a stress. You, I think one of the people that kind of steals the show in the film is uh, a fella that I worked with for years, uh, Ron Kuby. And uh, <laughs> You're right. I, I work with Ron for, for years, and in my experience working with him, I, I and I was just talking to Ron yesterday, we're still uh, pretty good friends. In my experience working with him, uh, I could say that Ron is one of the smartest people that I've ever met. He's one of the funniest people that I've ever met. He's also one of the most annoying annoying people that I've ever met with a really remarkable talent for getting under the skin of uh, of anybody. I don't know how much time you spent with Ron, but my hunch is you got to experience all three of those aspects of Kubiism. Yeah, you know what? Evan Mandry, a law professor at Cooney, uh, uh, recommended him while I was in New York just as someone to go and interview after I'd uh, interviewed uh, Mandry. And I, I called him up, and he you know, he said he had a little time on Saturday, went over and uh, sat down in his office with him for about an hour and 15. But he is great. He's everything you describe. But what I, I, I really needed him in this film, someone to push back on 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 Trump, mm-hmm. push back on Epstein. And he did that, and I think he did it in a kind of fair way. He does it in a very passionate way. He sometimes gets a little uh, carried away, but um, he, he sort of speaks uh, from uh, the standpoint of a disappointed friend, you know, someone who ad- admired Alan, 
admired him more in the past, is concerned about um, his more recent activity, particularly his defense of Donald Trump. But it comes across as a kind of um, honest and sincere criticism from a guy who who believes very passionately what he does believe. Do you, you mentioned Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, a lot of people take issue with Alan Dershowitz for representing Jeffrey Epstein, for helping secure what they perceive to be a very sweetheart deal. A lot more people take issue with some of the allegations that came from Virginia Jufrey. Uh, there's still mm-hmm. people out there that believe that uh, Dershowitz himself has been uh, guilty of some sort of sexual misconduct. Do you think that either through his reputation or from the allegations that came out from Virginia Jufrey that Dershowitz has had his reputation significantly damaged by his association with Jeffrey Epstein? Oh, there's no question that that, that cast a huge shadow over him. I mean, I've known from day one that Alan had nothing to do with any of, of, of Jeffrey Epstein's uh, young women. That was clear to me from the very beginning, and I've seen the proof that he couldn't have done it. And, you know, I've talked to Alan's wife, Carolyn Cohen. There's just, you know, a whole matrix of evidence making it impossible. But, but you know, people believe what they want to believe, and it's difficult once that kind of accusation gets out in the public. Mm. People, particularly those who dislike him, just want to believe it's true. So, it has kind of smeared his reputation, which is a shame because I think he's always been a very moral man, a very careful man in his private life. And, uh, you know, he went 50 years of teaching at Harvard University without a single complaint. Uh, I just thought that was incredibly unfair. And I think journalists, uh, in particularly in the liberal media, have, have been extremely uh, unfair to him. I mean, the New Yorker profile of him made he, made him look like some kind of misogynist. Uh, can't um, you know? I can't think of anything uh, anyone less of a misogynist than Alan. He's always very respectful towards women. He had tons of women students and colleagues, and a lot of them sing his praises if you listen to mm-hmm. them. If there's anybody that maybe has damaged uh, Allen's reputation more in some circles than Jeffrey Epstein, I think it might be Donald Trump. Not only his uh, advocacy for him in the impeachment trial, but uh, some of his advocacy for him on radio and television. Why, in your opinion, John, was it Trump that caused Allen to become a pariah in the Martha's Vineyard liberal circles rather than his representation of O.J. Simpson, of Mike Tyson or even the Nazis? Why was Trump able to do what O.J. and the Nazis couldn't? I think the people who most hate Alan are, are, it's a product of their fear of Donald Trump. I personally, well, I don't live in America. I live in Canada, so it, it still would affect me. But I'm personally not a fan of Donald Trump, but I really don't think he's coming back. I'm not fearful of him. Uh, but some people really are. And the more they fear Alan, uh, sorry, the more they fear Trump, the more they're aghast at anyone they perceive to be aiding or abetting him. And, you know, Alan wasn't doing that. But if you don't listen carefully to what 
um, he's saying you might you might think he was, and so I think it was a burning hatred that developed from people's fear of Donald Trump. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. One of the things that critics like Ron Kuby, for instance, will uh, will say of Dershowitz is similar to something that I hear a lot about Rudy Giuliani these days. And they essentially will say that they wonder if Dershowitz actually stands for his principles or that if uh, he's more of an old man at the end of his career embracing people because they will have him and give him relevance and give him more fame. And I've heard that of Giuliani. I've heard that of Dershowitz. I don't think that's true, but I've heard that from more than one Dershowitz critic. I'm curious what you think of that. Is, does Dershowitz actually believe in the principles that he states, or is this a way of uh, hanging on to relevance? Yeah, that's a very good question. I, 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 you know, I've thought about it a lot myself. I mean, it, it, we're all drawn to fame, I'm sure, and Dershowitz likes attention. So there, unquestionably, the idea of representing a pro, uh, president, even one that the, he so d- disagreed with, would would appeal to him, um, but I think uh, for the main part he did it out of principle. He had to do it against uh, the wishes of his um, wife, of his family. He's paid a huge price for it. Uh, you know, losing friends, even some people in his family have given him a lot of grief over that. So he really must believe very strongly in in in, in doing it for him to have done it. You also did a film uh, called Why the Jews. In this film, there are several instances throughout Dershowitz's life and his uh, professional career where he clearly is either a victim of anti-Semitism or an outspoken advocate against anti-Semitism. Given what's happening in the world right now with respect to the rise in anti-Semitism, do you think it's even more important, if that's possible, that people see this film than had the events of a month ago not taken place? I do think that. I, I, I think uh, Dershowitz has a lot to say about this topic. I mean, he's written six, seven books on Israel and has always been very brave in standing up for Israel. He don't make many friends by standing up for Israel, but he, he has done it out of principle and has done it consistently for for 60 years. Um, we I have talked to Alan since the showing and he he would like to update it slightly because obviously I didn't know about this. This film for the most part was finished well before October 7th. 
He certainly does, and we've talked to him about it, and I'm sure we're going to talk to him again about it soon. And uh, you're right. There's not a lot of other people calling for uh, Canada not to exist or other countries not to even exist. The film is The Trials of Alan Dershowitz. My guest has been John Curtin. It is showing in a very limited run in New York, but hopefully people will be able to watch it on a streaming service within the next couple of weeks. We'll tell you when and how you can can watch the film very soon. If you want to comment on any portion of my conversation with John Curtin, feel free to give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. This is the Helium Highlight Minute, sponsored by Desert Mountain Energy, an early mover among junior explorers in the helium space. Helium has become one of the most sought-after elements on Earth, yet is now in short supply. Desert Mountain Energy has positioned itself as a leader with the world's first solar-powered processing facility and over 100,000 acres within the U.S. Southwest, known to produce some of the world's richest helium. Many high-tech applications are totally dependent on helium. Helium, now a $6.5 billion market, is projected to grow sharply. Desert Mountain Energy, with its active development program, could play a vital role in meeting helium demand for years to come. It is time to look at helium and the crucial position of Desert Mountain Energy. This Helium Highlight Minute has been sponsored by Desert Mountain Energy, U.S. trading symbol DMEHF, and in Canada, DME. Web address, DesertMountainEnergy.com. The proceeding may contain forward-looking statements which may not be realized.